There's a lot more to praying than just praying. Do you know how to pray? Here's Pastor Jeff Shreve. Don't ever get the idea because there is God's will and there is my will that those are obviously two separate things because the longer that you walk with God and the longer that you allow him to work in your heart, your will can become in line with God's will. That's why the Bible says, Psalm 37, 4, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Welcome to From His Heart with Pastor Jeff Shreve. And today's lesson, Do You Know the Way to Pray? If you breathe and pray, you've struggled. Anything from a wandering mind to simply not knowing what to say. Well, the devil bombards us with distractions as we pray because he knows there's power when believers approach the throne room of God. Today, we'll hear part two of this message we began last time. First, we'll do some catching up and then continue with the lesson. But you can hear all this broadcast and yesterday's broadcast when you go online to fromhisheart.org. You can also download a free MP3 of any broadcast. Just click the Listen tab. Let's get started. Open your Bible to Matthew chapter 6 as Pastor Jeff helps us know exactly the way to pray. Jesus was giving them and giving us a model of prayer. This is how you pray. This is the skeleton of prayer. Such a powerful few verses on the subject of prayer. And I want us to look at that model prayer and see seven characteristics of that prayer. Characteristic number one, prayer is rooted in a personal relationship. It's rooted in a personal relationship because Jesus said, pray in this way, our Father. He doesn't say, pray our God. He doesn't say, pray our King. He doesn't say, pray our Sovereign. And God is all those things. But he says, pray our Father who art in heaven. Well, it starts with a relationship. God, he wants us to see him as our Father. Now, you might be thinking, well, you know, I've always been taught that God's God's Father. God's everyone's Father. But that's not true. God is not everyone's Father. God is fatherly to everyone, but he is only your father. You are only connected to him, father to son or to daughter, when you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. See, God becomes your father when Jesus becomes your savior. And before that time, God is not your father. So characteristic number one, prayer is rooted in a personal relationship. Characteristic number two, prayer is conducted with reverence and awe. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Hallowed, we don't use that word anymore. Jesus used that word. It means to make holy. And other translations of the scripture, they, they translate that in this way. May your holy name be honored. Let your name be kept holy. Help us to honor your name. Hey, God says, come before me, but you always come before me with reverence and awe. Holy, hallowed be thy name. 
Characteristic number three, not only is prayer rooted in a personal relationship, not only is it conducted with reverence and awe, but prayer is focused on God's will and God's kingdom. God's will and God's kingdom. So Jesus said the third characteristics of this prayer, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. It's all about God's kingdom and it's all about his will. And so we pray, Lord, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth and especially in my life as it is in heaven. Now, if you wanna just sum up the Christian life, you can sum it up this way. The Christian life is lived out in daily surrender. Daily surrender, your will to his will. Christian life is lived out, not my will, but yours be done. Lord, I want to bow my life and my will to your will to do what you say do. So prayer is focused on his will and his kingdom. Fourthly, prayer is employed for daily needs. Give us this day our daily bread. God is a God who cares about our needs. We need daily bread. And he cares about the things going on in our lives. He cares about uh, the daily things in our lives. So when we pray, we, we come before the Lord. We give him honor. We give him glory. We remember who he is. We're, we're in a relationship with God. We don't have to be afraid of God, even though he is holy, holy, holy. We can get close to him. And uh, we want his will to be done in our lives. But then we have needs. You have needs. I have needs. We're all just a bundle of needs. And we bring our needs before the Lord. And we say, Lord, this day, I'm facing this, I'm facing that, I'm facing there. Lord, this day, would you give me my daily bread? Would you give me the things that I need to make it through this day for uh, the things in school, for the things at work, for the difficulties I'm facing, uh, maybe in my marriage, in my family, maybe with uh, a loved one who is sick? Lord, help me today. You bring your daily needs before the Lord. God is a daily provider. And he knows about our needs and he cares about our needs and he wants us to share our needs with him. See, don't ever get the idea because there is God's will and there is my will that those are obviously two separate things because the longer that you walk with God and the longer that you allow him to work in your heart, your will can become in line with God's will. That's why the Bible says, Psalm 37, 4, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Delight yourself means to make yourself soft and pliable in the hands of the Lord. And as I make myself soft and pliable in the hands of the master potter and I'm like a soft piece of clay and he can mold me and shape me and make me any way he wants, I'm not fighting him. I delight myself in him, then all of a sudden my desires and his desires are the same because my desires get in line with his desires. Delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. God's will for your life is good and acceptable and perfect. He's a daily provider. You know, in the Old Testament, we have a visual picture of that in the manna that came down. For 40 years, God would feed his people the bread from heaven. The Bible says men did eat the bread of angels, and it would, it would come down from heaven, but they didn't see it rain down. They would just wake up in the morning, and it's like, it's like dew on the ground. It's this stuff. They didn't know what it was. 
It, it was like uh, wafers filled with honey. Uh, it probably looked like frosted flakes or something like that. But they didn't know what it was, so they called it manna, because manna means what is it? They didn't know. They just saw it, and they said, manna, what is that? Uh, but they could eat it, and they could cook it, and, and it, was, it was sweet, and it provided for their needs. And God brought it every single day, except on the Sabbath. They weren't to gather on the Sabbath, so on Friday, they would get twice as much as what they needed, and then Sunday, the first day of the week, they would go gather again. God says, don't you store this stuff. If you try and store it, it will grow foul, so you get it every single day. God was teaching them, I'm a daily provider. That's why we seek the Lord first every single day. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. So God cares about your daily needs, and you bring those to the Lord. Now, some have, have wondered, say, well, you know, do you think God cares about the little things in my life? Maybe I'm just supposed to pray about the big things. I mean, God's got a lot on his plate. So maybe I'm just supposed to pray about the big things in my life, the little things in my life. I'm not to pray about those because I don't want to bother God, jam up his inbox, and uh, with the, the little things, big things, little things. Listen, there is nothing in your life that's big to God. You don't have any big things to share with God. Everything in your life is a pimple on a flea compared to God. So we think, well, this is the big thing, and God says that, that's like next to nothing. So we're big things, little things. We share all things with God, all things with God, because he cares just like a good father cares about his children. He cares what's going on in their day. He cares what they're afraid of and what they're worried about and, and the things that they're facing. He cares about that. God cares about that too. When it comes to the big things and the little things, we love it when God answers big prayers and when the answer comes. We've been praying about something maybe for a year, two years, three years, four years, 10 years, 20 years, whatever it might be, and the answer comes. It is so awesome when God answers what we consider a big prayer. But you know when God answers those little things, those little daily things that you pray, when he brings a, uh, some little thing, that just shows how intimately acquainted God is with all your ways because he knows those little things, those minor things. He's saying, yeah, I see you. I know you, you were worried about that. You asked me about that. I met that need. Oh, God, I need somebody today to give me a word of encouragement. I'm just so discouraged. And then that person comes out of the blue. A phone call comes. A, an email comes. Something comes just out of the blue that just encourages your heart. He just winks at you. Yep, I heard your prayer. I know what's going on. And here is an answer to that specific prayer. And we can pray, give us this day our daily bread and know that God hears and know that God cares and know that God is going to answer, not in our timing, but in his timing, because it's not our will and timetable, it's his will and timetable. Prayer is employed for daily needs. Fifthly, prayer is hindered by sin and an unforgiving heart. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. When we come before the Lord in prayer, so much of the time we have to come before the Lord and confess sin because you and I, we struggle with sin. As Christians, to become a Christian doesn't mean I don't sin anymore. 
It, it often means that you're more aware of sin than you've ever been before. Jesus gave a picture in John chapter 13 when he washed the disciples' feet. Remember, Peter said, don't wash my feet. You shouldn't wash my feet. He said, if I don't wash you, you have no part in me. And Peter said, well, no, my feet, Lord, my whole body. Wash everything. And he said, the one who has been uh, cleansed doesn't have to wash his whole body. He just needs to wash his feet. It's a picture of the Christian life. When you come to Christ, you are cleansed by the blood of the lamb. But we walk in this world, we live in this world, and we get dirty, and we stumble, and we fall, and we need to come before the Lord and confess our sins to the Lord so he can wash our feet, so to speak, so that we can walk in the light as he himself is in the light. That's what the Bible says. As we walk in the light, as he himself is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, God's Son, cleanses us from all sins. He washes our feet so that we can walk with him in purity and in love. And so we have to be confessing our sin. We come before him, forgive us our debts, as we have forgiven those who have sinned against us, who, who owe us, who are debtors to us. So we need forgiveness from God to walk with him. And in order to get forgiveness from God, you got to make sure that you're not holding on to some offense that someone did against you. The Bible says, see to it that no root of bitterness that no one falls short of the grace of God, that no root of bitterness springing up causes trouble, and by it many be defiled. One of the biggest issues, I believe, in the church is the issue of unforgiveness. Because as we live in this world, people hurt us. Some people hurt us purposely, some people hurt us accidentally, but you're going to get hurt. Every hurt turns to anger, and if you don't deal with the anger, if you let the sun go down on your anger, that anger turns to resentment and bitterness. And I, there's probably not a person in this room, a person under the sound of my voice who doesn't have someone in his or her life that you say, that's a problem person for me. That's a person, if I'm not careful, I can start to resent. I can start to get bitter toward. I have people like that in my life. And I have to fight against that. But here's the thing that the Lord is saying. Forgiveness is a birthmark of the Christian. We have been forgiven so great a debt when we come to Christ. He forgives us our sins. So we're forgiven in order to enable us to forgive others. Forgiveness is the birthmark of the Christian life. If, if you don't forgive, you got to ask yourself, do I understand forgiveness? Jesus told a whole parable in Matthew chapter 18 about the, the servant who was forgiven a, a debt of 10,000 talents. 10,000 talents is an astronomical number. Uh, no one would ever owe 10,000 talents. No, no master would ever let a steward or a servant get into him for 10,000 talents. It'd be like, uh, you know, you owe a trillion dollars. I mean, nobody has that kind of money. And so when Jesus told that story, it was, it was, you know, Hebrew humor is humor by exaggeration. So the people would laugh. They'd be like, 10,000 talents? I mean, nobody, 10,000 talents. He's making a point. That's how much we owe God. That's how we've sinned against God. And in the story, the guy's forgiven 10,000 talents. He finds somebody that owes him 100 days wages, 100 denarii, and he won't forgive. And the master is moved with anger because his servant won't forgive. 
Hey, if you've been forgiven so great a debt, how in the world could you not forgive someone who sinned against you, who wronged you a hundred denarii compared to the 10,000 talents? And so forgiveness is the water in which we swim in. It's, It's the life of the Christian. We've been forgiven, and so we forgive others. And so if you're having a a really hard time forgiving your uh, debtors, you got to search your heart to say, do I really understand forgiveness? Because if I pray, God, forgive me the way I forgive others. Do you really want God to forgive you the way you forgive others? Well, I'll forgive, but I won't forget. You're on my blacklist. You want God to do that to you? I don't want God to do that to me. The Scripture goes on in verse 14, for if you forgive men for their transgressions, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men, then your Father will not forgive your transgressions. Your fellowship, it doesn't mean you lose your salvation. It means your fellowship with God is broken. You can't walk with God if there's bitterness in your heart. So we have to deal, the Lord is saying, we have to deal with sin. We have to really watch out for bitterness because it's easy to get in there. Now, this is what I've found that helps me with bitterness over certain people that really can punch my buttons. If you will pray for that person, it's hard to be bitter at someone that you're praying for, someone of, for whom you are praying. Uh, it, it, so anytime you start feeling like their name is mentioned, you're like, yeah, I just don't like them. You know, you can just feel it. The hair on the back of your neck starts to, well, not for me, but for you, it starts to stand on end, and it's just like, ah, I just don't like that person. It's like, and you see them doing things that are wrong, and you really think, where is the judgment of God? Where is the God of justice come after them? You start praying for that person. See, you don't know what's going on in their life. You don't know why they are the way they are. You don't know what kind of hurts they're dealing with. So you pray for them. You pray God's blessings upon them. You pray for God to just shower them with his love and his mercy and his grace. And it helps you to see them in a different light. It does uh, work in your own heart. Prayer is hindered by sin and an unforgiving heart. Number six, prayer is needed for a life of victory. As this prayer comes to a close, This model, do not lead us into temptation, verse 13, but deliver us from evil. Now, that you look at that and you say, well, I don't understand. We're to ask God not to lead us into temptation? James chapter 1 says that God is not tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone with evil. And so we read that and we're like, I don't understand that. What is that all about? Well, I think what the Lord is saying here is you need to be careful and cognizant as you pray to know that there is temptation out there. Do not lead us into temptation. God will lead you and me into trials because that's how we grow. Consider it all joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance. And in those trials, the devil will come and try and turn that trial into a temptation. Job experienced trials, and the devil came and whispered in his wife's ear to say to Job, curse God and die. The trial to a temptation to curse God. And that's how the devil works. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Literally, deliver us from the evil one, because the evil one is out there. Hey, if you're going to walk in victory, if I'm going to walk in victory, we're not going to do it without praying. 
Because as Jesus said to the guys in the Garden of Gethsemane, watch and pray. Keep watching and praying. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Pray that you don't enter into temptation. Pray that God would protect you and keep you and deliver you. You and I are weak, and we are in need of God's strength, and we're in need of his deliverance. So we are cognizant of that. So we pray for that. And we ask the Lord. We say, Lord, today I know that I'm going to be faced with things that w- would cause me to lose my temper, things that would cause me to, uh, to lust, things that would cause me to be jealous, to be envious, to be greedy, to, to do this, to do that, to do the other. Help me to be sensitive to that so that I would walk in your ways because I need your strength. In and of myself, I can't do it. And then lastly, prayer is concluded with praise and anticipation. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. That's how the prayer concludes. Now, in some manuscripts, that's not in there. And so, like in the New American Standard, that's in brackets to say it's not in all the manuscripts. And some say, well, we don't know if Jesus ever said this or not. Well, Jesus may not have said it, but it sure fits well in the prayer because it's true. It's true. And I have found in my own prayer life that it's good to end your prayers with a note of praise and a note of uh, exaltation with the Lord. Lord, yours is the kingdom. Yours is the power. Yours is the glory forever. And the word forever in there and talking about the glory of God, that is a note also of anticipation. God's kingdom is going to come. We've had that as part of the prayer. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That hasn't happened yet, but that's coming. And one day the Lord's kingdom is coming to earth. And so we can say amen and close out our prayer with a note of praise and with a note of hope and anticipation. You're listening to From His Heart with Pastor Jeff Shreve today and the message entitled, Do You Know the Way to Pray? It's the important step that indicates growth, maturity, and faith for the believer and essential for Christian development. This message is just one of seven in Pastor Jeff Shreve's series, The Next Step. And prayer always needs to be the first step. You see, growth and change are part of the Christian life. Are you moving forward with the Lord, or have you become complacent and stagnant? In the Christian life, you either grow and glow or you dry and die. What is the next step for you? Maybe it's baptism, spending more time in the Word, strengthening your prayer life, or seeking a spiritual mentor to guide you in your growth. In this seven-lesson series, you'll discover the next step for you. The series is entitled The Next Step, and it includes lessons like The Step into Eternal Life, The Christian Two-Step, the step into spiritual strength, how to spend time with God, from student to teacher, and more. You can get your copy in the format of your choice, a USB flash drive, digital download, CDs, or DVDs, your choice. And you can do that when you go online to fromhisheart.org and make a gift of any amount. It's our thank you for your support from His Heart this month. Just call 866-40-BIBLE or go online to fromhisheart.org. And when you make that gift, be sure to request the series, The Next Steps. 
and know that your support allows these kinds of truth-filled messages to be broadcast around the world until Jesus returns. Thank you for listening today to the message, Do You Know How to Pray? from Pastor Jeff's series, The Next Steps. Join us on Friday, will you, for the message, The Step into Eternal Life. It's when we'll open up God's Word and share real truth, real love, and real hope from His heart. His Heart is the listener-supported broadcast ministry of Dr. Jeff Shreve, speaking the truth in love to a lost and a hurting world. Remember, no matter what, God loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life. Find out more at fromhisheart.org.